0: From Ephesians chapter 5, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord.
1: Members of the body of Christ, grace and peace are yours in Jesus Christ. Amen. Well... You heard the reading, and uh, I got a lot of encouragement for this sermon. In fact, some of the guys just before I preached last night, said, oh, you're preaching on that? Hey, good luck. <laughs> right? That's, that's kind of the way we feel, and I, I watched some of you smirking at various times during the reading or elbowing the person sitting next to you. That's kind of our tendency because when we think about families and our roles and relationships as spouses and parents, um, things are are kind of unusual in our society, right? We, we fit the proverbial living in interesting times. Um, there was a girl who used to attend our youth events at the congregation I served in, in Arizona. And I used to drive her home periodically. And, and I asked her, you know, who do you live with? And, and she said, well, I live with my grandma and grandpa. Um, they're actually my dad's mom and dad. Oh, all right, well, that seems pretty normal, right? You know, a lot of people that are in that situation. And then she said, you know, and, uh, and also my, my dad's ex-wife lives there. Notice what she didn't say. She didn't say, my mom. Right? So she lives in her father's parents' house with her father's ex-wife. Her father lives with his girlfriend. And I said, well, who else lives there? She said, well, I guess what you'd describe as ex-step cousins also live in the house. Right, and So finally, at one point, I said to her, you know, who do you consider your family? And she said, well, I guess anybody that lives under my grandma and grandpa's roof. Right? Now, on one level, you go, praise God that there is a grandma and a grandpa that care enough for her that she has a place to live, that she has a place to belong. But the flip side of that is saying, into a situation like that, how can you ever speak these biblical words? And right? into a society that has all sorts of different understandings of what family is, how can you ever speak these biblical words because they just seem kind of outdated right they they just seem something that you would just want to dismiss and say well you know that was wisdom for then but it's not for now but the truth is we couldn't say the truth is the the truth couldn't be farther from that right the reality is that the bible is a wise old book and far more than just being a wise old book it's the very living word of god and it does speak to us, no matter what our circumstance is, no matter what our situation is. And, and so I'm not going to attempt to write all of those misperceptions about family that exist in our society, but instead do what the scriptures do, which is just to proclaim that this is God's plan for us, that this is how God intends for us to live in these loving relationships known as families, and in fact, even placing those families inside a larger context of the family of God. And that it's here in the midst of this family of God that we find kind of really all of the expectation that is on us as Christians, right? And so when we just look at what the scriptures say, when we look at what the scriptures say about our families and about our roles and our relationships in those families, those words alone will really hit close enough to home for us. Did you get the home, the pun? Did you see how I did that with the pun? You guys are going to have to stick with me. This is, this is the comedic gold that I have for you today. The truth is that God calls us to live in these relationships because he loves us. And he calls us to be in these relationships one with another so that we might truly be encouraged and enriched and nourished in the love and forgiveness of Jesus. That's what he wants for us. And in that context, then, he tells us how to live with one another. Now, before I dig too deeply into the text for today, I want to start with just a simple understanding. Remember that the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the Ephesians from prison. Right? He's imprisoned while he writes these things, which should tell us something about the importance of what's written. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was writing a letter to a group of Christians from prison, I probably wouldn't include instructions for the Christian home, right? which tells us two things. It tells us, first of all, that Paul is not writing on his own authority, But instead, these are the things that the Holy Spirit is inspiring him to write. That these are the things, therefore, that God intends for us to know. That they are of critical importance. That he does intend for us to live this way and to live this way always. That's what God plans for us. And so stick with these words. And I want to encourage you to allow yourself to be challenged by them. To think through those times when maybe your relationships haven't been so great and to ask whether they would be different if you were following this plan that God has set forward for you. Let's let's get into the text. Verse 21. Verse 21, mistakenly, just omitted as you were reading it. I don't know if you did that on on purpose, but, but verse 21 starts off this way. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is how these verses begin. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This tells us within this framework that this is for everyone, right? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ speaks to everyone who is within the body of Christ. And understand, this is for men and for women. The framework of how we're to live as families is first to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ means that it's not natural. It's not something that we can just kind of fall into. Instead, it's a decision that we have to make. A decision that we have to make daily or even more than that. An understanding that we are to honor one another by yielding to each other. Did you hear me? We're to honor one another by yielding to one another. By first looking to someone else's interests. First looking to the fact that God has placed others into our lives. That we might be blessed by them and they might be blessed by us means not looking out for ourselves first, but in fact, looking out to the needs of those around us. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And we start to think about the universal nature of that. It impacts the way that we view our marriages and the way that we view all marriages around us because I know there are some of you who say, well, I'm not married, so maybe I should just take this Sunday off. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ reminds us of of things like Hebrews 13.4 where the scriptures say marriage is to be honored by all. And it means that we're even to honor those marriages that are not our own. That we're to look at other people and to attempt to be a blessing to them, to attempt to yield to them, help them to grow closer one to another. When we see someone struggling to help to lift them up rather than doing what so many do which is to just drive a further wedge between them. But instead, as we honor this marriage, we submit to one another that this is God's plan for all of us. And it's that foundation on which the family is built. And then he gets into specific roles and responsibilities, right? And the the next verse, verse 22, says, wives, submit to your husbands. The truth is, the scripture actually says it this way. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, likewise to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. The word submit is not repeated. See why verse 21 is so important? Wives, likewise to your own husbands as to the Lord. In other words, that way that you're to be with everyone, start at home. Start with the one who is closest to you. Tells us something about our sinful nature, doesn't it? It tells us that we're always hardest on the ones who are closest to us. Likewise to your husbands. As to the Lord. That way that you are toward others, do it especially, especially to your husband. Why be like that for everyone else and not for him? And then he continues The husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. And now, as the church submits to Christ in everything, so also submit to your husband in everything. And I I know what you're thinking, women. You're sitting here thinking to yourself, wait a second now. Are you saying that my wife, my husband is like Jesus? Because he's not like Jesus. (laughs) Bear with me. The guys will get theirs. Right now, we're focusing on your role. And the role that is yours can only be understood that role of submitting to your husband by understanding the way that the church submits to Christ. How do we submit to the Lord of the church? We look to him for all things. We see that he has our good in mind because he has suffered and died on our behalf. How does the church submit to Christ? It recognizes that it's not perfect, right? We don't do this Christian thing perfectly, but instead we look to Jesus and we rest in Jesus, knowing his words to each one of us, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Right, of knowing that he has our best in mind. That's how the church submits to Christ. And Paul says if you understand that, then you understand the relationship in your home. It's to understand that your husband wants what's best for you. And so, in that regard, wives submit to your husbands. Now, husbands, it's your turn and the roles and responsibilities that are yours. Husbands, love your wives. Now, some of you guys are thinking, fantastic, I'll pick up flowers on the way home, I'll check the box, and everything will be done. But you know it goes more, it goes deeper than that, doesn't it? There's more to it than that, though some wives, including my own, would say, flowers are nice, I like flowers, that's good. But it's beyond just that feeling type of love. In fact, it goes on love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that means self sacrifice humbling even to the point of death it means truly putting the needs of your wife before your own and so paul goes through this over and over again right in various different ways he says you know look at it as you look at your own self In fact, more than that, that's how you're to sacrifice. Put her needs before your own. Choose to do this. Why do wives have so much trouble submitting? Why does that word become such a negative word? It's because we aren't doing our role. It's because we aren't loving in this same sacrificial kind of way. This love is choice love, not feeling love. It makes a decision to consciously put her needs first Instead of saying, well, if I don't feel it today, if you're not behaving the way I want you to today, if you're not doing those things that I like today, it goes far beyond that. It goes to extremes. It goes to the point of death. So often we, we romanticize this feeling type of love to say this is what marriage is all about, right? Robert Burns' famous poem, Oh, my love's like a red, red rose that's newly sprung in June. Or in February 2017, that's sprung in Indiana. Right? Oh, my love's like the melody that's sweetly played in tune. As fair art thou, my bonny lass, so deep in love am I. And I will love thee still, my dear, till the sea's gone dry. The love that Paul speaks about is not that type of love. That's when love is easy. But the love that Paul speaks about is the love that we have to vow to. It's a love that chooses to be self-sacrificial. It's a love that chooses to put her needs before your own, to empty yourself even to the point of death. And now, guys, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, but if I do that, then my wife's going to take advantage of me. Remember, we're not talking about her role right now. We're talking about yours. What the Scriptures say to us as husbands Is that we are to be with them through thick and thin, that we are to be with them through everything. It's a love that is expressed in a way that she can understand. It's a love that seeks her good first. How did Christ love the church? He humbled himself to the point of death. And I think all other things being equal, and I know that there are a lot of things that go into this, all other things being equal, when this is lived out, according to God's plan, when the husband is willing to sacrifice in love for his wife, when the wife is willing in love to respect her husband, that we truly see the picture of how God wants our families to be. And that in this, God allows us to live in a way of mutual respect and love, where we grow into this family that he wants us to be, where our homes are truly sanctuaries, our places where God's love and forgiveness abide and abound where we can be ones who are walking toward Jesus together. And when you think about that picture, it's beautiful. It's where the wife can look at her husband and without irony say, that's my man. And where a husband can look at his wife without irony and say, that's my woman. That's the one that God has placed in my life to love and to care for, to walk with in sickness and in health, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, until death parts us. And so that leads to kids. This is funny stuff. (laughs) I meant in the text, but, you know, it's it's a good joke. Okay, it goes like this. Obey your parents. Children, obey your parents. It's pretty straightforward, isn't it? But again, obey them in the Lord. That this is right to do and righteous in the sight of the Lord. To do what your parents tell you to do, but to complete the picture, it's because you know and believe that your parents want what's best for you. And so our responsibility as parents is to see in any given moment the broader picture. And to be willing to sacrifice a moment of happiness that you might learn what it means to be alive and to live in Jesus. To understand that at times it's hard to follow your parents, and yet we do it because what? Because there's a promise connected with it. The Apostle Paul says it's the first command with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long on the earth. That's how God tends for this relationship to be. And parents, we have a responsibility here too. Don't exasperate your children. means don't provoke antagonize, irritate intensely, tell bad jokes. None of those things. I'll tell you what, in our moments of levity in our house, I love to say to my kids, and we're just kind of joking around, you know what, honor your father and mother. It means obey us. And my daughter, the smart aleck, will say, and dad, don't exasperate your children. I shouldn't have taught them to know that passage. But God intends for us to care for each other. God intends for us to live in a place of peace. When you hear and you see the picture in the scriptures, it really isn't painful, is it? Instead, it speaks of each one of us having roles and responsibilities about setting aside our sinful nature and its wants and needs and focusing on those closest to us, those whom God has given to us, and understand that we're on this tricky endeavor, this journey of life, and that in this blessing, he has called us into families. That we wouldn't walk alone, but instead that those words of the Scriptures, that it's not good for us to be alone, would be fulfilled. It would be fulfilled as families who are part of a greater family of God. That our family would truly be marked this way from Ephesians chapter 3, that it kneels before the Father from whom every family derives its name. And so my challenge for you this week is to spend some time with those relationships that are closest to you to talk husbands and wives, and to evaluate those places where maybe you've fallen short and need to ask forgiveness for one another. Not that you can needle each other and keep score, but that instead that you can abide in forgiveness. Parents, talk to your kids about what you expect from them and what you want from them. Let them know what a wonderful desire you have for them that they might live long on the earth. And children, let your parents know that you love them. Let your parents know that you walk with them and rejoice in them, the gift that they are to you. Spend some time growing with one another, that we might truly live this out among us. As the point of these families is that together we walk toward Jesus. And so just permit me for a second, I know I've shared quite a bit about this, but I I got to see this lived out in my own home. And I didn't realize how unusual it was until I got older. That there are four kids in my family, my parents love each other. And I got to see that lived out as a kid. It wasn't always perfect. Nobody lives in a perfect home. But it was a place of forgiveness. And I got to see that lived out even to the end. And this past summer, as my dad was dying, my mom was able to sit at his side, knowing that she was loved, and to say, I, I wish I could have another 50 years, but Bob, walk toward Jesus. Right? Go toward Jesus now. And that we, as a family, could gather around my mom and say to my dad, we'll keep caring for her, don't worry, you fulfilled your vows. And seeing that love lived out one for another kind of sanctified that moment of my dad's death. And yet, it's true. The, the love between my parents also made it a time to grieve. And to say we do wish for many more, many more days that we won't get to have we know this blessing of seeing this lived out and of knowing that that then falls into the next generation and the next generation and as God calls us to live in these families we live forgiven we live loved submitting to one another out of reverence for Jesus and so brothers and sisters may this be so in the name of Jesus amen